0: When I was a child at the edge of the galaxy, I heard stories about a man who could forecast the future. But the story remained dark to me until many years later. Until it became my story. Until it became the only story. You're familiar with my work, Psychohistory? Every mathematician has read your theory. It's not a theory. It's the future of mankind, expressed in numbers. And the Empire won't like the future, I predict. History is littered with charlatans and false messiahs. We should kill them. We can murder the man, but what about the movement, brother? Martyrs tend to have a long half-life. His maths was right. The empire is dying. Wars will be endless. Thousand worlds reduced to cinders. Change is frightening, especially to those in power. Well, good morning, Hope Ames. I hope you're awake. That was really intense. Sarah played that beautiful song, and then I just brought that on you, so I'm really excited to be with you here this morning. Uh, My name is Haley Shepherds. I'm the pastoral intern, now the outreach minister. I forgot that my title has changed now, Uh, but I've been here at Hope Names for three years, and so I'm really excited to be with you uh, here post-Christmas. Merry Christmas. I hope you got some time with your family and friends, Uh, and I'm just really excited to share with you a message uh, about, we're going to be talking about the birth story, which I'm really excited about, and you may be thinking, you know, the birth story, we just went over this, but we're going to go into a new version of the birth story story. On Christmas Eve, we talked about the birth story uh, from the Gospel of Luke, and now we will be diving into the Gospel of Matthew, and there's some really exciting things going on. That show that we just watched was from one of my favorite new TV shows called Foundation. It's an Apple TV show. Um, I got Apple TV last Christmas, and so this has been one of my favorite shows on Apple TV so far. Uh, we get to see the way uh, that these this group of people uh, actually uh, tried to save the foundation of the world. The empire is failing, and so we compare this exact same story to our Gospel reading today in the Gospel of Matthew. It looks very similar, and so I'm going to make a lot of comparisons uh, throughout today's sermon. Uh, when we think about the gospel of Matthew, uh, for those of you who are Taylor Swift fans, Taylor Swift recently came out with a re-recording of her music, and she calls it Taylor's version. So this is Matthew's version of the gospel of Matthew, of the, of the birth story. Um, it's a great comparison to make. Uh, this birth story looks a little bit different. Instead of shepherds and mangers, we have this magical star. We have the magi, which are actually wise men, is more familiar, the more familiar name you're probably familiar with. And we also have King Herod, who is the empire, uh, or is the ruler, who is the king uh, in this story. And it's not meant to replace uh, the Luke account. It looks a little bit different, but it's not meant to replace that account. Uh, but it's going to offer us a different perspective on why God became human. And so the show Foundation is a fictional story. It takes place in this galactic empire, which you'll see on the next screen there. It's a story about, a lot like the King Herod, we see this ruler, his name is Cleon, and we'll see him on the next slide here. So Cleon is this ruler, he's on the left-hand side, Uh, he's the the ruler of the Galactic Empire. We have Gale, uh, who's a mathematician, she's kind of an understudy uh, for this gentleman, Harry Selden, who is this mathematician. And he studies psychohistory, and he came up with this theory that will predict the future. It's the theory of the future expressed in numbers that you can mathematically predict. And he predicts that this empire, this ruler, Emperor Cleon, will fall. And Cleon isn't very happy about this news that Harry brings him. He says the empire won't like the future that I predict. Similarly, King Herod in our story is brought some news. The three, wise, actually we don't know if there's three, but the wise men that show up uh, come and they are astrologers, they're uh, magicians or sorcerers. And so that's very similar to Harry Selden uh, in this, this clip from Foundations. And so they too have this prediction. They have seen this star rise and believe it's a sign that the newborn king of the Jews has been born. And we see in our first, uh, first part of our gospel reading today that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that, same, about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. What's really interesting is I don't know many kings or rulers who are born a king, most of the time you are a prince or a princess and you come into power, but here we see immediately that Jesus is born a king of the Jews. We see that there, here there is this baby Jesus who's already a king and the kingdom of God has arrived. Jesus has been and always will be king because Jesus is God. That's what the Gospel of Matthew focuses on. It's a Jewish Christian audience, and they are already looking to worship this new king that has arrived. It's this birth story that focuses on kingship. Who rules Jerusalem? Who rules God's people? A king of one of the most powerful kingdoms, a galactic-sized empire under Roman rule with King Herod, or a baby? we see that it's very clear in the Gospel of Matthew who has the power. And King Herod was immediately disturbed by this news. When he heard this, we see this in our, our next uh, reading here from the Gospel of Matthew. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Now we see here that King Herod represents the entire population of Jerusalem, So we see that the gospel points us to this place where King Herod has power, whatever he says goes. And so not only was he disturbed, but everyone in the city of Jerusalem, even God's people were disturbed by this news. King Herod is so powerful, he speaks for everyone. And most likely if you went against him, you would be killed. Both Emperor Cleon from our clip and King Herod are facing this threat to their power. Mary Selden in this clip says, change is frightening, especially for those in power. Jesus has come to turn the tides. A new kingdom has entered the world. We see that Emperor Cleon in her clip brings in someone to verify this news, that the empire is dying. And Gail in the middle here is a messenger brought in, She's working under Harry Seldon, so she knows the psychohistory. She knows the mathematics behind this prediction that he has made. And she verifies, yes, there is a threat against the empire. And just like King Herod, King Cleon here, the empire is disturbed. But she verifies what Emperor Cleon feared, and so does King Herod. And so we, too, see that individuals are brought in to verify the wise men's claims. King Herod called a meeting, and the leading priests and teachers of religious law asked, where is the Messiah to be born? He's seeking out these leaders to verify that this truly is a threat. One of the central questions in this birth story is, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Maybe you've asked that question just this past week when you're with your family, and there's people running around, and there's dishes, and you're thinking to yourself, Lord, where are you? This is chaos. But I hope there was joy in the midst of it. But I want you to continue to remember that question as we go through this story. Because this question, where is God, actually parallels stories that we see in Genesis. So we'll go for the very first book of the Bible. God calls out to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden They had just taken fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they were immediately hid in shame. And God asked them the reversal question, where are you? Since the fall of humanity, we see God's people are constantly searching for God because they are distant from God. And instead, they forget God, and they try to help themselves. And we see that in this garden story. Now, Adam's name, Adam, literally represents humanity. And Eve's name actually represents helper. And we see that humanity has failed in the book of Genesis. And we have failed as helpers to God. So instead, God becomes human. And God becomes the helper of the world. This Gospel of Matthew is a reflection of the first book in Genesis. And it shows us that God has been at work from the beginning. We see in Genesis, God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? We are not like God. So God came to be like us. Jesus became human and dwelt among us. So in our Christmas story, we see that God gives us this reversal. God will become human to save us, and that's what Messiah means, the Savior of the world. So, where is this Messiah, the one who has come to save humanity? Where is he? Where will he be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, and the lamb of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come for you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. There is nowhere where the shepherd, the sheep, excuse me, can hide from the shepherd in this story. Jesus has come to be our helper. Jesus has come to save humanity and God has come to help those who can't help themselves. Were you able this week to ask for help? Where do you seek help when you need it? When was the last time you asked God for help to be your helper? When in your life have you you been left feeling disturbed like King Herod, like the city of Jerusalem, Shaken at the thought of change, shaken at the thought that we're not in control, shaken at the chaos in our world and in our life. So often we build our lives on the things like success, like our jobs, even our kids. But when those things are taken away from us, what do we have left to stand on? They leave us disturbed. They leave us scared. They leave us shaken. Our foundation begins to crack. So what would happen if you built your life on a different kind of foundation? One that cannot crack, one that cannot be shaken. We read in the book of Micah, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord, with the Lord's strength, in the majesty of the name of the Lord with his God. And then his people will live there undisturbed, for he will be highly honored around the world. We're talking about God here. God is the one that leaves us undisturbed. Now Jesus has come to be God's strength, to be humanity, to reconcile the world. It's a complete reversal. Jesus will be our shepherd. If I were to give a shepherd a job description, it would be one word, helper. We need the good shepherd, one who will lead us to an undisturbed life, one where we can live on a solid foundation. But oftentimes we ask, where are you, God? God. God's people are constantly running away from God, not towards God. And it's so easy to forget that God is our helper. God is our foundation. We read in Isaiah 51, 51 13 here. Yet you have forgotten the Lord your creator, the one who stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. This is the God who we can build our foundation on, the one who created the world. The God of the cosmos, the one that knitted you together in your mother's womb, that's the kind of power we're talking about here. One that cannot be disturbed. And so we see that God has chosen God's people. I'm the one who says to Israel, you are my people. God has come to find us. Because in the garden we told God, when God asked, where are you? We were hidden and we were, had shame and now we don't have to experience that when God calls upon us. We don't have to look at God with shame. We can look at God with hope. And so this is the story where Jesus comes in the world who seems help, a baby who seems helpless, but instead we are given hope and we see that power. Jesus has been present and working since the formation of the world, the God of the cosmos. And the book of Isaiah reminds us that God has claimed us We read this, And I have put my words in your mouth and hidden you safely in my hand. I stretched out the sky like a canopy and laid the foundations of the earth. I am the one who says, Israel, you are my people. That is the God, our comfort, our helper, our strength. There's one quote that really stood out to me in the clip, and it comes from Harry, Uh, who's the mathematician, and he says the coming generations will need to know the knowledge to build a foundation. And so what is the foundation that we need? What is this, this foundation that we can build our lives on? We read this in the book of Colossians. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in heavenly realms, and on earth, He made things we can't see and the things we can see. It continues on here. Such as the thrones, the kingdoms, the rulers and authorities in the unseen world, everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds creation together. That right there is our foundation. That right there is a promise for you. God existed before everything else. Jesus existed before everything else. And Jesus has become human to dwell among us. We see uh, that Herod's life, if we look at Herod, who's supposed to be king and compare that life to this foundation which we just read. Josephus is a historian and we read from one of his accounts that Herod built a really good life. He, had, he wasn't the best ruler. He was evil. He um, took a lot of money, but he was able to build a lot of things with that money. So there was, uh, he rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. We see a bunch of structures that he built, um, but most of them over time has since fallen. They've been demolished. They lie in ruins. And so this King Herod has nothing to show for his work. Herod couldn't even keep the buildings, the walls he built together. And Jesus is holding all creation together. That's you. Herod had nothing to show for his life because it was built upon himself. A false king. Watch out for them. They're tempting. They're everywhere. In 1 Corinthians 13, we read, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have in Christ Jesus. King Herod built this fortress around himself, it still couldn't protect him from his inevitable death. And sometimes I think construction of our own faith is tearing down those walls that we think protect us. Because truly God is the only foundation, and God is the only one that can protect us. And sometimes the walls that we built actually keep us away from God, and God is left wondering, where are you? So I encourage you to tear down those walls in your life that you've built to protect yourself from the bad and the good because it's also protecting from the good from entering your life. You can keep God at a distance. God is your helper. God is your foundation. We talked about on Christmas Eve, it's time to come and see. Come and see that God has come. We read that it's Jesus who brings this good news this great joy for all people. We learned about that on Christmas Eve. We see it again in this Gospel of Matthew. Because when the wise men saw this star, they were filled with joy. They entered a house and saw Jesus with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and worth Gold, frankincense, and myrrh represent different things for a lot of scholars. So I want to give you just one interpretation. Gold represents value. Frankincense represents perfume for anointing. And myrrh represents an ointment for embalming bodies. Many scholars believe it foreshadows Jesus' death and resurrection. Instead of a gold crown... Jesus will be wearing a crown of thorns. Instead of being anointed by religious leaders like a king would, Jesus is anointed by a sinful woman in the Gospel of Luke. And myrrh is a balm used to ready and burial bodies. It shows that humanity will be the death of Jesus. But Jesus will also save humanity through that death. We saw that the wise men came and said, the King of the Jews is here. When we fast forward to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, we'll see another sign. It's going to be posted to the cross. It says, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. and He will be hung on that cross. This is the sign. You see it at the beginning of the story and we will see it at the end and it's the opposite of what we would expect It isn't the religious leaders who come and see that Jesus has been born. It's these wise men who are foreigners. they come to see Jesus and they know who the true king is. Danny made a joke on Christmas Eve about Nebraskans being the foreigners. (laughs) I'm from Nebraska, so I take it very personally. (laughs) But no, this is a sign for you. The one true king has become human for you. And the wise men come and they enter this house and they immediately worship Jesus. The original word in the Greek here actually means to bow down. But even further, it means to actually kiss the ground. They put their lips to this floor and I'm not going to ask you to get out on the floor and kiss the ground. This has been a high school for some of you. It's been around for a long time. But when you worship God, or if you go home and pray, I want to encourage you, if you're able, to get on your knees and pray to God. Just take that position of humility before the king of the world. It's a position of reverence. It's a position of humility. So I encourage you to pray. And if you're not able to get on your hands and knees, just look at the ground See that this is the ground, this is the foundation that Jesus has built for you, one that you can firmly stand on and it will not be shaken, it will not be cracked, and it is trustworthy. And that is what we can do when we pray on our knees or when we look at the ground. So I encourage you to do that. So when we bow our heads uh, in church, you can look at the ground and think about the foundation that Christ has built for you. At the end of this uh, clip that we saw, we see um, another quote from Gail, the one who verified that there was a threat to the empire. She says this, I heard stories about a man who could forecast the future, but the story remained dark to me until many years later, until it became my story. I encourage you to look at the films that you you see, because there's biblical truth to a lot of them. The biblical stories are woven throughout them. This is so true. This psycho history that Gail became a part of, it became her, his, her story. Jesus' birth, Jesus becoming human, God becoming human, it becomes our story too. The gospel is this good news that we can build our lives upon. Instead of us running to Jesus, we are invited to the home of Jesus. These wise men, Jesus didn't come to them. They went to Jesus, and they were welcomed into Jesus' home. Jesus welcomes you home. You ever seen a sign like this? Welcome home? On the next screen, you'll see there, I'm always welcomed home. You are too. For Christmas, That's my family on the right there. On the left is my friend Ethan and I. And they have a sign outside their house. And they always write, welcome home. And then they'll put our names on it. Whoever's coming over will get a welcome home sign. And as I pulled up for Christmas Eve to have dinner with my family, I got out of the car. And immediately, they were on the doorsteps to welcome me. And I heard my stepmom yell, Haley's here. And then I heard my stepsister tell my stepbrother, Haley's here. (laughs) And then my stepbrother told my stepsister, Haley's here. For good measure, my dad walks in the door and screams, Haley's here. (laughs) If you ever had a welcome like that? That is your welcome. That is your welcome in the birth story of Jesus, who's come for you. And so as we sing this last song, I want you to know that you're welcomed home. The birth of Jesus means you have a solid foundation to build your life on. And when I ask, where are you, God? God dwells in every single one of you. We read this in the book of John. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father, the one and only Son. Welcome home. When I have trouble seeing God in my life, I look to all of you I see God dwelling in every single one of you. It's a beautiful sight. So when you are wondering, where is God? Look at the people around you. See their love. And that's hope that we can share to the world. We're going to sing, Go Tell It on a Mountain, where we're going to be talking about this good news, that you're welcomed home. The wise men depart. And Jesus is no longer uh, threatened by King Herod. Because evil doesn't win. Evil won't win in your life either. Welcome home. Let's go ahead and stand up and sing.